Welcome to The Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. On the podcast this week, I am thrilled to have as a guest the wonderful Paul Bennett, who has decades of horse industry experience in the unique field of driving teams of horses. He is a font of knowledge and has the most wonderful stories, and I am so honored to share our conversation with you, where he shares his experience and the interplay between our minds and our mental state and how that impacts the performance that we get out of our horses. And I just hope that you enjoyed this conversation as thoroughly as I did. I want to start by just saying thank you so much for being willing to chat. I think that it is just fascinating to hear your perspective on kind of this intersection of mental performance and driving. And I can absolutely see how in driving, you would really have to cultivate, you know, just this focus and composure and having a connection with your horses. And so I'm really excited to just talk. So thank you for taking the time for this. This is absolutely my pleasure. It's, it's you know, it's always good to talk about know, how people perform and how we can help them perform better. Oh, absolutely. Well, so driving is not what everybody does with their horses. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get involved in driving teams of horses? Goodness. So long story short was when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a three-day vendor. I worked for Karen Straker or Karen Dixon, she was later, the Olympic I think she was a silver and a gold medalist. She had two top horses were Get Smart and Too Smart at that time. Mm-hmm. And I spent a summer working for it. And that was really great. Then I discovered you needed a thing called money. To <laughs> so the, there was a brewery in Newcastle. Newcastle Brewers were looking for a groom. And I thought, well, you know, heck, you can do anything for six months. I can go and earn some money with them and then be back on the circuit in the summer eventing. And... I did get back on the circuit the next summer eventing, but also kind of got a passion for driving. I mean, w- with them, we delivered two metric tons of beer three miles out into the city centre as a, you know, as a environmental asset and an advert, really, you know, and wow. a little bit of a throw to history. Yeah. That is so crazy. Huh. So, you know, as a a young what was I at that point, 23-year-old individual, here I am, sat up with a head horseman behind two one-ton shy horses. That's delivering, good. when we had three metric tons of beer on board, yeah? That's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, when the, when the head horseman said he was going to go and do the paperwork, that usually meant he was going for a beer, and you were the, the, the wagon boy, so... You've got to take care of everything while he did the paperwork, yeah? Huh. So as things evolved, the, the brewery decided that they didn't want to have horses anymore and transferred that operation 
to a living history museum, the North of England Open Air Museum. I went there and, you know, overnight, by default, I went from being nobody to head horseman. Because oh my the old, all the guys retired, it didn't want to go do that. And all of a sudden, here I am, you know, at, at 24 in charge of eight horses and three people and showing horses all over England for Newcastle breweries. Large learning curve. Oh, I bet. And especially for those horses, it sounds like what you're describing too. It's it's not even just the horses, it's the interaction, you know, with the public as well and kind of sharing the horses. Yeah, and I've got to say at that point, you know, public speaking was definitely not my forte. If you asked me to, to talk in front of people, it's like, oh, uh, 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 <laughs> but having a horse as a prop made life easy. You know, the horse, at that point, the horse was helping me. As long as I was connected to him, I could talk to people about him. Yeah. You know, um, and he was my emotional support, or, or they were. So as things evolved, the, the brewery pulled out. We were working for Beamish. And really, at that point, Beamish is about history of the north of England. And at that point, Shire Horses, you know, at the turn of the century, 1913, just before the First War, Shire Horses weren't awfully popular for work in the north of England. So we started looking around, and a second brewery, Vaux Breweries in Sunderland, they were transitioning their horse operation, so we wound up with their Dutch Warmbloods, their Gelderlanders, which were more not truly authentic, but more in keeping with, with the style of horse that was used in the north of England at that time. Were people uh, just looking for a horse that was kind of smaller and easier to manage? or Because I'm only f- familiar with them in terms of, you know, people do dressage with them or jumping. And yeah. so no, it's I mean, surprising they, that they would do driving with them. Well, they, they've, they've, um, if you step back to... Sir Paul's father, Douglas Nicholson. Douglas Nicholson acquired Gelderlanders in the 1970s and won a, a silver medal for Britain driving in the 1970s with Gelderlanders. And Gelder- Gelderlanders and the heavy warm bloods evolved as as carriage horses, yeah? Okay. Predominantly, you know, and then, you know, think back to the military, the cavalry, you know, we need, we need horses to carry troops, and we also need horses that can move gun limbers and do things. You know, if you haven't seen things like King's Troop, Royal Horse Artillery in England, they use a um, a Cleveland Bureau Warm Blood Cross to pull their, you know, three-ton gun limbers with six horses. Mm-hmm. And it, it's incredible. I mean, when you see them guys, Postillion, that's incredible. I mean, when they come out of the arena, they are galloping with six horses and three tons behind them. So it sounds like people are appreciating the um, versatility there of a horse that can do riding and driving as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, jump to the story. So here I am with learning to uh, meet these Galadanders with their then head horseman. And he was the most laid back, calm individual I've ever met. I'm driving a pair of horses, Justin and Joss, and Joss was was an individual. This horse was his own person all of his life. On a Monday morning, this horse looked like he'd never been 
train to drive. Tuesday <laughs> was a little better. Wednesday was kind of okay. Thursday, not bad. Friday was quite nice. The chairman said Paul would drive him on Saturday and he'd be golden. He'd have a day off on Sunday and would start again on Monday. And that was just till he was 27, yeah? Gosh. And he, if you went to a show, he'd either win it or he wouldn't. And it just depended on what his mood was, yeah? <laughs> and apparently what day of the week. Yeah. So here we are. We're driving down a busy two-lane highway in the centre of Sunderland, a, a local city. And Joss has got a hold of me and we are. He's not running away with me, but he's definitely making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And Tommy sat beside me and says, just let them come back here. Just let them come back here. I'm like, and there's a, there's a set of traffic lights coming up. I'm like, can you hurry up? And, can you ask him to hurry up and come back? to me? Because if we want to stop at these lights, I can't. Yeah? <laughs> and he's just laid there and he said, look, you've just got to, if you get after him, you're just going to wind him up. You, you just got to switch it off and relax. And whatever he does, become more relaxed. And that was a real learning curve. Ah. You know, and this this little horse, not little horse, I mean, he was 17 hands. He was, wasn't little. Was giant, yeah that, yeah. that was just, you know, just how you had to tune yourself up mentally with him. Because if you went in... Oh, I'm going to straighten this out. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to do. And he's just like, mm. and watch me. So working with horses like that really helped spell out how you've got to be in a good mental place to perform. Yeah. Yeah. It really teaches you, you know, it's a little bit of a trial by fire there. If you figure out how to get it together mentally or, or it's not going to go well. No, and you know, and it busy. You've just got to go along and go, you know, take a breath and okay, my friend, what are you going to do today? Yeah, yeah, and and just live with it and deal with it and, and mitigate the circumstances and and eventually you'll you'll go, oh, this is not fun. What do you need me to do? Yeah, but yeah. you know, they were kind of sporty horses. Not that the Shires weren't. I mean, they were. You know, one of the horses that we had pageant. He was. 18 won. I mean, he could trot and step and was fabulous. But, you know, when he's a metric ton, you don't want to crash down the road for too long. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was lucky through various connections to meet interesting individuals. You know, Tommy, who was the head horseman there, he was just, like I say, an incredible. If I digress a little bit, I went, support was part of the, the, the coaching club of Great Britain, whose annual meet is it's Smith Sloan, the polo grounds in Windsor. And, you know, we're based in Windsor Castle, and it's my first time there, and I'm just the low man on the totem pole. I'm the go for, go for this and go for that. And I'm riding on the coach with Tommy and one of the other members of staff to Smith Sloan. Tommy's driving, I'm on the back of the coach. The horses drive the seven miles to Smith Sloan, absolutely foot-perfect, magical. And we get the Smith's Lawn, so Paul jumps up for the dinner drive and has an awful drive. Joss was just not having it. And I'm on the back and I can hear what I think is a little show. And I'm, I'm listening, Tommy hands me a toffee. He said, eat that and just relax. I'm Tommy, he said, relax. So Paul gets to the end of the drive. He hands the reins back to Tommy and says, you know, the horses just wouldn't settle. And Tommy said, yes, sir, we'll deal with it. And Tommy 
jumps up, takes the reins of these four horses to Paul had just had an awful, awful drive with. We're about 200 yards down the road. Tommy's lighting a cigarette under his jacket, driving these horses, and they're <laughs> just different again. Yeah? Oh, my gosh. And I said to Tommy, Tommy, what, what have you done? He said, he just got himself stressed, and that was why he didn't have a good drive. We'll fix that. Yeah? And Tommy became my sports psychologist because you watched him interact. And on Tuesday when we came to do the drive from Windsor Castle to Ascot Racecourse to Royal Ascot, mm-hmm. so Paul had a fabulous drive. And Tommy had done nothing different, only tell him that he'd work the horses, sir, and you'll have a better drive today. Yeah? Yeah. You know, and so Paul went into it with the attitude. Tommy says they'll be fine. They'll be fine. And, he, you know, that piece of highlights, you've got to have your own kind of a little bit of your own tea leading team and you've got to believe in you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you're not 100% convinced, how are you going to convince the creature underneath you or the creature or creatures in front of you that this is a good idea? Yeah. Yes. Those horses are, they're tuned in to whatever we're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about a horse, horses are herd animals. They're highly socially attuned. Mm-hmm. They're much more than we give them credit for. So whatever you're thinking or feeling goes straight down them reins to them. And before you've even got on the carriage or got up, you know, they've read your mental state. And if you go in and go, oh, 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 you can guarantee your horse is going to very quickly go, oh, 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 what's, what's happening, yeah? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're not, don't believe in you, go do something else till you are, yeah? Yeah. Don't compete. Relax. Make it fun because it's got to be fun for everybody, you and your horse or horses. And if it's fun and you're relaxed, things will just improve beyond a measure. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, Tommy at that point was definitely a leader in self-belief and just relaxed. Tommy never got wound up. You know, he, he'd be busy, but he was never... You know, you never see him raise his voice or he raises his voice at people, but not horses. You know, <laughs> but not at the horses. If you went moving fast enough, hurry up, yeah? Yeah, that's amazing. So I hear you talking too a lot about this. I think that we assume that in order to really get great performance out of a horse, we have to have a strong connection and, you know, build a relationship and have trust with our horses. But some of what I hear you saying in the story is that it's almost less about building that connection and trust and more about managing your own state at any given moment because they're just immediately attuned to where you're at. Do you find that you have to really develop kind of a connection with the horses you work with or just that they'll just tune into your state and that that's almost more important? What do you have you found it with that? What have you found? Yeah, you, you do. I mean, it's a mix of both. You've got to have the training and the connection with the horse. Yeah. But the horse, oh, I've found that, that an incredible amount of horses rely on the rider or driver for confidence. You know, you, they're in mm-hmm. an, a scary situation, whether it be you know, eventing, they're jumping something that they're really thinking isn't a good idea. You're yeah. in town driving with, with traffic and there's, there's things, you know, things around. And it's your 
you become their mental support at that point. You're, you're mentally saying, hey, my friend, it's good. We're cool. We yeah. can do this. You've got it. You know, I've been fortunate to work with some incredible people that have taught me a huge amount. You know, mm-hmm. after working for the North of England Open Air Museum, I had a, an incredible mentor in Derbyshire by the name of Caroline Deal, and she was an incredible fountain of knowledge, loved to share her knowledge, was incredibly demanding. I mean, you know, incredibly demanding. I w- watched one individual wash a horse five times because it wasn't up to her standard. She came out, that's not thing, do it again. And finally she said, that, that, that'll pass, you know. Um, <laughs> but with Caroline... I spent an incredible amount of time. She was an incredible host um, driving and socially with her. But if Caroline said something, just agree to do it. Because if you didn't, it was going to be painful until you did. Yeah. <laughs> you would agree eventually. Yeah. <laughs> You'd agree eventually. Yeah. I mean, this is a lady who, you know, decided when a father collected carriages after the second war, she had an incredible carriage collection upon father's death. In the 1970s, Caroline walked into the local bank in the town and said, um, I need a mortgage. And the, the guy said, well, you know, how much? She said, 500000 will do. And can I have it by Wednesday? Yeah. And she got it by Wednesday. And she got it. She got it. But, you know, she, she planned everything incredibly. I mean, I went to do jobs with her and there was no detail left in that. Again, if you're competing, you're away from home. Yeah. If you've got that checklist, you've gone through it, you know you've got everything you need and it's organized, you can find it. It reduces stress on competition. There's nothing worse than having a, you know, I need, I'm, I've got my dressage tested at eight o'clock and I need my number and where did I put it? Yeah. You know, because then all of a sudden, you know, whatever zone you were in, it's now just been thrown off by that. Oh, where is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're trying to think about getting in the right mindset before you compete. It's so easy to just be there and overlook the fact that these logistical, you know, earthly concerns can really throw you off if you've done something like forget where you put your number. Yeah. Or whatever it happens to be. You know, I can't yeah. find my whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yep. You know, and then. All that training, all that relaxation you've done, the, the practice, it's just been blown out of the water because you're in this frantic state trying to trying to trying to, yeah? Yeah. And again, you know, that horse is in and you know, he's in an already electric atmosphere. You've just introduced more electric. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, um with Nemitz, you know, again, Andreas Nemitz was an incredible driver. He's probably one of the world's best drivers and most underrated individuals. And I spent five years working with him and for him. And his business was long-distance horse-drawn holiday tours. Oh, really? And so he had tours that ran through Germany, Hungary, Poland, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? And Nemitz was a German naval captain. So if you weren't 15 minutes early, you were late, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a driver, he, he was incredible and it was, you know, he was incredibly skillful. But every day you drove with him, 
was a competition because you were competing against the terrain you were driving across and him, yeah? Mm -hmm. So I worked for him for six weeks. We've been driving horses, getting horses ready for the start of his season. And his first major tour of the year is his Transalpine tour. So it's from Lake Constance to Lake Como. It's okay. 400 miles in 12 days, yeah? Yeah. With nine guests on board, this antique coach, whose coach is built in, in the 1890s. So it's, it's an antique. It's not, oh, it's, wow. not, it's not modern. It doesn't have modern brakes. It's, it's, it's completely antique. So we leave this, the city of Lindau and we're driving to Austria, to Felkirk in Austria. Yeah. And then it's just the, 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 the piece out of the, the town. You know, we drive through a crowd and along the streets and we have lunch. And then after lunch, he's, he's like, okay. So, you know, we split the drive and it's your turn to drive. You've got um, 25 kilometers left. All right. With a five-horse team. Yeah. So it's three horses in front, two behind. Okay. And I've got nine guests that I met, you know, four hours ago for the very first time on board. Mm-hmm. So we're driving alongside this track, on this track, alongside a stream. And the first obstacle for me is to turn left onto a narrow bridge and then right off a narrow bridge immediately. So it's kind of like a Z, basically. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I can imagine that. So, uh, you know, I'm young. I've been doing this. Me, I'm a hero now. I, you know, I'm up here. Look at me. Watch me do this. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And I made a complete mess of it. I didn't turn, stay well enough. So I get kind of the horses onto the bridge. We stop and there's no way can I complete the turn. I get kind of halfway through and I'm, um, yeah, I'm done. So we stop the horses and Nemitz looks at me and says, so now what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to listen. That's a good, good reply. So with his help, we untangle my mess, reverse off to the bridge, off the bridge. I pay attention to his commands. We make it get off the bridge, and my nine guests stand up and cheer and clap. <laughs> so, um, again, overconfidence can be as, as, as damaging as, as no confidence, yeah? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I can I can relate a little bit. I spent a time as a wrangler on a dude ranch, and so it's not the same as – driving the horses but it was that same feeling of i'm riding but i'm responsible for this whole string of people that are behind me and they don't know how to ride and they're all on a horse and making sure that everything is going smoothly and so it gives me a little bit of perspective on that it's it's not just your driving it's you're driving you know this technical challenge with not only an audience, but people that you're responsible for. It just adds a lot mentally, you know, what you have to do in that situation. And, you know, when you're driving a coach, an antique coach has a larger turning radius than an 18-wheeler. Does it really? It's a quarter lock. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's a large turning radius to to get it anywhere so that lots of preparation is required. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got with, thinking back several steps or you're just going to be stuck. Yeah, and you're thinking complex steps because you're looking at where you want to be and then you've got to think about, you know, which horses in your team are actually steering it. Everybody thinks it's the front horses. They're not. They're extra power. It's the horses at the back that are your steering. So as you're going into a curve, 
you're thinking about, you know, sending your wheelers, your, your rear horses, if you're going to turn left, you're sending your wheel horses to the right as your lead horses are turning left. Huh. And then as you get in the mid-turn, then you're bringing your wheelers round to follow everybody. You know, driving a, a carriage, driving a coach is like driving a truck and trailer, except you're driving the trailer, <laughs> driving it from the trailer's perspective, yeah? I could see that, yeah. And the terrain you were driving over, I mean, the Lindau Messenger Tour went through five countries in nine days, climbed 6,272 feet into the Alps and descended one vertical mile in an afternoon. Oh, my gosh. All with its original antique braking systems, yeah? So, you know, the old adage is up, uphill the horses sweat and downhill the coachman does is absolutely true, yeah? I can see that, yeah. So we get down, we get everything away into the city of Kiavena. So we drive into the city of Kiavena and um, we park up and we drive through the city and it's, it's tight. It, it's very tight in places. And I'm driving in and, you know, we have to make this turn into the marketplace. And I actually scuffed the collar of a horse because it was so tight. And I got through and I'm, you know, young and enthusiastic. Look at me, aren't I brilliant? And we drive through this gate, <laughs> this chain and the leaders are 11 foot wide and the gap is just about 12 foot. And I'm, I think I'm fabulous, yeah? Of course. Look at me. Then he tells me, that's the easy part. <laughs> Wait, we, we've got to make... So we, we we get into the city of, if I back up, sorry, we're in Austria right now. If we get into the city of Felkirk, you've got to drive through the city to get to the hotel. Well, in order to get the city to the hotel, it's a one-way system, which is okay. fine. Yeah. But the road is 11 feet wide and it's lined with plate-glass shop windows. So it's not really 11 feet, you know? No. So I've now got an outfit that's 11 feet wide at the front to squeeze down this, this thoroughfare. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, does this fit? He said, yeah, it fits. And he taught me the trick. And you can squeeze three horses in the space of two very easily if you do it right. And, you know, when you're driving, driving down, the umbrella basket on the carriage is tapping the windows, yeah? Oh, my gosh. So there's nothing like pressure, yeah? Yeah, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. And the guests are super excited. And, you know, you get to the end of it and you've won the competition, yeah? Oh, you know, yeah. And like I say, every day you drove to Nemitz, wherever you were doing, whether it was in the Bavarian Alps that he lived in or in Italy, in Tuscany, Switzerland, you were driving against the terrain and him as the master, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had many successes with him, but he's also... Never let me live down some of your failures. So we were doing a tour in northern Germany, and it was we followed the uh, the one of Gotha's journeys from Weimar to Schlesien, and it's four days down, four day tour down, and he got two tours. So we were four days down and four days back to make life easy. Around tour, we could park everything in one place. So we've okay. gone down. And everything was great. And we're two days in, we're midday of the second day into a four-day tour coming back. And in the time we'd gone through, they'd built an entire freeway embankment across our 
our road that we normally used. Oh. So we get there and there's a 20-foot embankment. So we stop, we switch drivers. Now Nemeth says, you drive, I'll navigate because we've got to make, you know, we've got to find a route around this right now. Yeah. So I've got five horses, antique coach. He says, just um, reverse around that corner and let's go. So young and enthusiastic, I'm reversing, except I don't pay attention to the details. <laughs> and details are the things that kill you. So as you came around the corner, it went up a little bit, and I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't have my, my wheel horses doing exactly what they needed to before I asked my lead horses to do things. So long story short is the piece that goes between the horses at the back, the pole, mm -hmm. I broke. Oh, no. Yeah. Nine guests on. We've got still two and a half days to get to the end of the tour. And I snap it like a, snap oh it like a carrot. Yeah? Yeah, because that's what's, that's a big part of, in my mind, it's what is supporting the coach. Because otherwise it's just these, you know, the harness, the leather work. Yeah, so it's you know, it's like taking the steering wheel off your car. It is the steering. Oh, my goodness. So I snap it. So to say Nemitz wasn't pleased. It's an understatement, yeah? Yes, I can imagine he's not pleased. Um, and an unhappy German is not something you want, yeah? <laughs> so luckily, the stable that we'd stayed at the night before had been trying to call him. We were out of cell service. He catches up and says, the, the, you know, the road's closed. He's like, now you tell me. Now, yeah? Yeah, now you tell me. We just figured that out. So long story short was that the guy was a, was a blacksmith and knew that there was a local metalworking shop in town. So we pull the pole out, Nemitz and these two guys throw it in his truck, race down to the metalworking shop, and they made a steel collar for this pole so we could join it back together. Yeah. And instead of this pole weighing like 40 pounds, it's now 140 pounds, yeah? Oh, my gosh, yeah. So we get it in the metal. carriage, and you now it's jammed into the front of the carriage. It, you know, it, it's staying there for the, the length of the tour. And... We get we finish the tour, and when we get back to his, his home base in Bavaria, the pole is put pride of place in the top of the carriage house in the pole rack in the top of the carriage house with my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! But like I say, it, it was it was very humbling, and you know you got to suck it up, but put a cup and. And go, but like I said, driving with him was incredible, incredible, you know. But it, practice, you know, everything we did was well, was well practicing, or mostly. But you, you had a faith, a belief in the horses in front of you. I mean, we've driven horses into some, with him and other places, into some crazy places and done some yeah. crazy things. And that that belief in them and belief that you've everything's right, you know where it's going. You, 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 I mean, I've seen them. It's, we did a we did a commercial, and the deal was we had to, with a pair of horses. We had to gallop up the camera and stop. Yeah. Okay. Two horses in a carriage, and the camera was stationary. So we we come in the first time. Like the cameraman's like, nah, that isn't fast enough. And you do it a bit quicker. We're like, yeah, okay. if we get this wrong, you're toast. Yeah? 
you know, you're going to be like, you're going to be you're run over. Me. Yeah. And he's like, can you do it again? But, but faster. But so, faster. So we did it. And you're going and going three, two, one. Okay, friends. Stop <laughs> now. Please. Yeah. <sighs> and yeah, I mean, we slithered up to their noses, touching the lens of the camera. Oh, man. And he was like, that's the shot. That's the <laughs> shot. <sighs> I'm like, thank goodness for that, because I couldn't do that again. <laughs> man. Oh, my gosh. So it sounds like there's so much driving through just all kinds of different terrain. We've got traffic, cities, mountain passes, like roads, nature. Is it when you talk about practice, is it just because you would drive the same routes or do you practice the maneuvers at home? But it seems like even so, there'd be so much variability because you'd have different groups of people and different traffic. And so how does how does preparation play into that when it's not just the same arena over and over? Never to introduce me to what he called a rain machine. And it's, it's a, a board with weights on so you can practice driving two or four horses and it gets you the muscle memory before and the commands before you put a horse in front of people when you put a single horse or two horses in front of people all of a sudden people's spatial awareness is blown out of the water yeah oh yeah you know you've got and you're driving down a track and it's like we're never going to fit and they're so worried about that their, their ability to concentrate on driving the horses just doesn't exist so with with him you know we could teach people to drive a pair and then drive a tour in so they we would have them at his place for seven days three days practicing at home and then we'd go do a 200 mile four-day tour to back up the learning yeah okay so good yeah that's still a good long drive yeah and you know i learned a lot about people mental fatigue you know we, yeah. we don't think about it but it's a real thing and we watch people you know spend hundreds of hours teaching people to drive two or four horses or five horses and you can see after is that when they're new at it, after about 15 or 20 minutes mentally they're mentally and physically they're done yeah because they have to be, it's such intense focus and concentration that it's hard to maintain. Yeah. And you know, that mental muscle has got to develop. It's like any other muscle. We've, we've got to develop that. Yeah. Yes. Because when you're driving, I mean, those are, it's all day. It's hours and hours. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, when we were up driving, you know, we take regular breaks for the horses. But I mean, in a day you're driving eight, six, eight, nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time to be. To be that focused when you have that many horses and all of the challenges of your terrain. You know, that, that translates into, into the, the show ring, into competing, or, or to, you know, the modern combined driving. You know, all of that, that mental preparedness, mental, you know, that muscle memory translates across whatever you happen to be doing, yeah? Oh, yeah. I hear you saying there's a lot of, a lot of it is just practicing building up the amount of time that you can maintain that focus. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I, I know that like for the rainers and said, they talk about, you know, they'll think about that with the young horses. And so when you're starting them, 
the sessions are really short because those horses are learning, you know, they're learning to focus and concentrate and 20 minutes and they're like, I need to go process what you taught me today. And, and I think that's so easy to overlook on the human side, you know, you've got to build up your own ability to be focused and, you know, concentrate. Yeah. And, and, you know, so what we do is you watch the driver and, you know, just as they're they're on the edge of, of fading, would, would stop and trade drivers, yeah? Yeah, so, yeah. so I hear you paying a lot of attention to your own mental state as well, you know, which yeah. you have to to stay safe. Well, yeah, but it is the trainer. You're, you're, watching your, you're, you're watching your student, you're going, okay, right, now is a good time to stop. And you're trying to, like a horse, you know, you're trying to, t- to end that session on a good note, yeah? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so, so you're giving people positive feedback you know nobody wants negative we need to hear when things aren't going well but we also need to hear when things are going right yes you know you know, they- you know what to replicate and i think people they really only change when they feel good so you've got to find that moment and recognize it when they're doing well yeah and you know for some people when they first start now you know riding or driving it, it's a challenge to find that moment to say you know you did really great right now. Let's pause here while you process because you've ended on a really at a really good point. Yeah? yeah. A positive point. And you know, it's it's building people up in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they go away thinking, oh yeah, oh that was good, that was good. You know, and especially when you've got people for the next four days and two hundred miles, yeah? Yeah. You know, in another hour they're going to be back up driving because you've gone through your students and it's their turn again. Yeah. 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 You're just taking turns, you know, and then, then they start, you know, in, in a, Oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moment. And, you know, invariably it progresses. I mean, like all learning it is a sharp learning curve and then it drops off and then we pick it up and then it drops off and then finally it levels out, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, you, you've got to remind people that, you know, that, Nemitz or myself have been doing this for 30 years. You know, it looks easy because we've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, you have a massive skill bank behind you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and well, you, you make it look so easy. Well, yeah, but it'll get there. Believe me. Yeah. Well, I hear believe- you mentioning too, you're kind of bringing up that like progress is not linear. You don't just get on and it's, up, 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 up. You get on and then you you get tired. So you have to stop and then you improve again and then you make a mistake. And it's just, it's all part of the process. And so don't don't sweat it. Yeah, don't don't sweat it. You, you know, it, it, the more you sweat it, the worse it gets. Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, you know, it's back to horses being herd animals, highly attuned. You're sweating it and you send a mixed messages to them. And so it's like, okay, you want me to go, you don't want me to go, you want me to go here, you want me to go there. Like, make your mind a place because I don't know. Yeah. yeah. As you're doing all this, do you have any mental strategies or techniques that you use to stay calm and composed during all of these high pressure situations while you're driving? But as I open with it, it's having your own, within reason, to your team. You're going into this thinking, I can do it. Yeah. We can do yeah. it. Yeah. We yep. can do it. Yeah. I hear you saying a lot of just that self belief and self confidence, not overconfident, but just. 
that self-belief that you can do it is really kind of the basis for you. And knowing that you've done the practice for it, you're ready. You were ready. You're ready. Honestly, the horse is ready. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that you've done, you've done your preparation, you've done the homework, you know, just stay steady and it'll be fine. And too often you find people buy a made horse and okay, so, you know, I've bought three day vending, so now I can go three day vending. Ah, <laughs> not quite. You still, yeah, right. like you still have to ride it. Yeah, but then now they've just bought themselves a Ferrari on a learner's permit. Yeah. 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 You know, and then when they're not successful, oh well, it was the horse. It was the horse. He just he, he was a bad horse. Yeah. You know, and too often we we we're quick to blame the thing that can't answer back. Yeah. 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 You know, he can tell us if we we read his body signals and he can tell us what's happening. We've just got to, we've just got to be, take the time to listen to what he's telling us. Yeah. You've got to be able to tune in and really read all of your horses. Do you find that with the preparation you do at home, that this doesn't come up, but let's say you've got a team of five like that. How, how are you managing all these multiple horses where, you know, some some horses are they're naturally a little more high strung and some are chill and some are kind of naturally want to tune you out or they're super tuned in. How does that work when you're trying to be present and manage all these different horses? I guess for me, I, you get into what I can best describe as a zone. You just, you and the horse are mentally lined up and, and whatever you, you're thinking, you know, okay, I want to go over there. And all of a sudden, the horses are taking you there. Yeah. It, it, it isn't an effort. Yeah. It's you. just you're you're really you become like you're leading this little mini herd now. And so you yeah. get tuned into being calm, going a certain direction, and they just really tune in and follow. Yeah. Yeah. They're incredible at that. You know, once we we get them to their point that they're training that they are relaxed and confident, then it's good. I mean, you raise a good point with horses. Or every horse is different, and it's known. It's knowing your horse or horses mm-hmm. what works for them. I mean, when we were showing horses years ago for Vox, Josh was a good example. We knew that he had to have a good deal of work before he went into the show ring. So, mm-hmm. as the youngest kitty in the, the the class, in my job was Tommy would say, "Go lunch him, and I'll tell you when to stop." Yeah, yeah, and so it. 5.30 in the morning, I'm out there lunging him and Tommy go, come up and look at him and he needs a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. A few more minutes, right, okay, now go washing, yeah? yeah. And you, you're learning from these people <laughs> that are reading and, you know, preparing these horses. A couple of the other horses, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to look at them. They, they could have breakfast, sleep in, and he knew that they were, you know. They're ready to roll. They're ready to roll. They, they, they were, you know, they were slugs they didn't want to they didn't want to waste energy yeah <laughs> they're like what's the point we could you know we could just not do that yeah yeah we, we could do what we need to do and get this done quickly or <laughs> we can make it difficult and be along there let's just yeah. cooperate yeah let's just cooperate and it, you know taking the time to understand what each horse needs as an individual i mean when i was event i had a, a thoroughbred who loved jumping he jumped anything Cross country show jumping, he would was a machine for jumping. Dressage was the thing he he did, but you could see him going, 
I've got to do this to do the fun bit. So let's hurry up and get this bit done. Yeah. I'm only doing this because I like you because you let me do the jumping, you know? Yeah. And when you, you were warming him up for a dressage, you had 10 minutes to warm him up. If you did 11, you could see his ears back. He's like, I'm done with this <laughs> circling crap. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and you see him going, he'd shuffle it in the arena and like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't do this. And yeah, and you, you'd see your dressage score just plummet. Yeah. Yes. And then you get him out cross country and he's like, which one are we going to do now? Yeah. Let's you just go. Light up. Yeah. And he's like, let's go. Let's do. You want me to go over there? I jump that. You want me to go over there? I'm good for that. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's so and, fun. You know, and I mean, I did an event on him when I had a, a chest infection that I didn't really know that I had. So I did my dressage and I was feeling kind of crappy after dressage. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, oh, well, I've come a long way and I've, I've paid the entry fee and I'm, um, let's go. And, you know, honestly, that little horse took me around the cross country. All I did was barely say, that jump over there, my friend, that jump wow. over there. And he was like, okay, okay, and, and looked after me, yeah? Yeah, that's amazing. They're, it's so, it's just really cool how they can do that, you know, that they really tune in. And when they're they're interested, they they just really commit. Yeah, but I mean, you see that working with people, you know, with challenges, with veterans with PTSD, you can see that their demeanor changes. If you, you know, I've seen them, when you've had an individual that's having just a really awful day, they're at the bottom of the world and life just doesn't look good. And you see this, you know, a horse that can be, to you and I, just difficult to get along with, come up to that individual and basically, you know, virtually give them a hug and like, Hey, my yeah. friend, I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all, we've all, I think, had a moment where we see that in a horse. You know, they come and then all of a sudden, you know, they open up and it, the world looks a better place because of it. You know? But again, you know, watching horses with either ridden or driven, you can see they change their personality. I mean, I, I've seen horses that have been ridden by three different people. The one, you know, one little kitty wants to be slick and I'm going to go fast and I want to do this. And you watch the horse go, okay, my friend. <laughs> we, can, we can do let's that. Go. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. You want to do what? And then you can see the, the, the kitty that's, that's just struggling. You see the horse go, okay, this is how we're going to do it, my friend. And, and work with them. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just... Yeah, you're describing how they really are just tuning into their rider and taking their cues and the lead from the rider on on their behavior. And yeah, you know, and if you can control the energy, your energy, you know, mentally and physically, you can control the energy of your horse mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It has a massive influence on your horse. And, and again, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, driving for me is always is always fun. I could drive, you know, I drive every day and have driven lots of miles. Yeah, it's not so fun when it's you're in a thunderstorm and or it, you know it's it's snowing, but it's still you you get there and it's you just get there and you can hear the horses and you know when you've got a four going down the road and everything everybody's in tune, four horses 
sound like two. Yeah. Yeah, because their their hoof beats would be in the same rhythm. They do, everybody drops into step, and it, when you hear them drop into step, it is just magical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But you know, you, you talk about mental preparedness. So, um, I got a quick story about I work as director of coaching livestock for Colonial Williamsburg Foundation in Virginia. Yeah, I've heard of them. And I was teaching my drive the drivers. It was helping the drivers improve their driving skills, working towards their Carriage Association of America certifications. Okay. And I had a young guy driving with me, and I was his groom for the job. We, we've had a, a night job. Things had gone well. We dropped off the guests. We're, we're heading home. Yeah. And we've got to go down a, a sharp dip, up a dip, and then about a quarter of a mile later, we're on the driveway for home. Okay. And we're coming to, this, to the crest of this dip, and I said to the driver, I said, um, you okay? He's like, yes, boss, yes, boss, I got them, I got them. And I'm like, you can hear the footfalls as we go down the dip, getting faster and faster. I'm like, you got them? Yeah, 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 I got them. <laughs> and as we get to the bottom of the dip, bang, one of the horses books, kicks the footboard, and we're off. These two horses are now galloping up the track, yeah? Yeah. So he's like, uh, boss, I haven't got them now. I might get a hand, yeah? <laughs> So now is a really great training moment, yeah. Now yeah. is a really great training moment. You, you know, we that's need a great perspective. That. That's I think that's the key is that you really got to just embrace that as this is a great training moment, right? It's a great training moment. Yeah. So we help him. We we get the horses back, and it was a good moment for him to have experienced that, and then how to deal with it because you know we can train it, but till you into that situation. It, the, all the training in the world helps, but you've got to be able to manage you in that moment as well. Because, I mean, we got him turned around, and I've got to say, he came back and literally he couldn't put the key in the lock of his car oh, to open. He got he back. So yeah? Nervous. yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he embraced the moment, and I said, Look, hey, what happened tonight, that's between you and me. If you want to tell somebody, that's fine. Me, I know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you saying too that part of just the process is that, and it can be scary because we don't want to invite, you know, a dangerous situation, but don't be afraid of making mistakes because that's, those are opportunities to improve and to cement your training. And, you know, I know we do that in the raining where you go around and it'll be trust your horse, put your hand down, allow your horse to make a mistake and then just fix it. Like, keep it pretty neutral as best you can, but you can't be micromanaging your horse through the ride. And I hear you saying similar types of things with the driving where it's, you can't just be holding them super tight all through the ride. You have to, you know, go along. And then if there's a little, if there's a mistake, you just address it, you fix it and you keep going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the good thing was, you know, the young guy embraced the moment and said, okay, can he teach me? I need to learn. Yeah. That, I want to get better. Yeah. That being having that coachability is a, like just a key ingredient. So, you know, we went out and we, we worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And, you know, again, you, you go back to, to teachability and not micromanaging and, and learning. And it, it's, it's building pressure. So, you know, as we went out, we got him, he's rain handling 
better is his ability to to forward think, you know, because as yeah. you as you're going down the road with a with a pair of horses, you know, your stopping distance is three, four, five hundred yards. It's several times you can stop. Uh-huh. Yeah, because yeah, you just to slow everything down, it just it could take a minute. Yeah. So it's first of all having that forward plan and okay, I'm here, you know, in six rides, what am I doing there? In twelve sides, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Building, yeah. building yeah, the pressure and building it. the pressure. So you know, we'd, we'd find obstacles to put him in under pressure. Yeah, and yeah. slowly build that pressure up. You know, and as his his skill level grew, the complexity of the test grew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building, ramping up that, you know, the stress and the challenge of the situation, so that when you're in a more high stress situation or more difficult driving conditions, you've you've you effectively prepared yourself to be there. You didn't just have a massive jump from zero to 100. Yeah, and I mean, the same young guy, I had another member of my team, and we, we were teaching everybody to drive a tandem, which is one horse in front of another. And it, it is the most challenging turnout to drive because that lead horse has nothing to stop him turning around. If he wants to turn around and come back at you, he can yeah. Oh, okay. So he's basically you've got a, a pair of reins. Okay, you've got traces, but there's nothing to stop this horse going left or right or wherever he wants to go. You know, within reason. Yes, he's yeah. strapped the one behind him, but he can turn around and do things and whatever. So we're driving tandem, and with two really good horses, and the young guy was having just a challenging day. It just it wasn't clicking. Yeah, he was trying, he was trying, he was trying. It just wasn't clicking. And you watched the frustration level mountain. Yeah. Yeah, you can just, you can see it and feel it. And then the worst part was there was a young lady from my team with me. I said, okay, let's, let's take a break. Let's swap. And she jumped up and it was just clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and, it was a good learning moment for him to manage, you know, manage the, the, the adrenaline, manage the, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You see that with when you're, you know, astride as well, you'll kind of either override or underride as the pressure ramps up and it can be really just normal, not necessarily helpful, but normal to want to kind of force it through, like we're going to do this. And, and it can be kind of a, a rude awakening when you realize it's not actually helpful. It doesn't really work. No, and that for him was a was a was a really good was a good moment. He still talks about it um, with a smile, but it was like I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. He, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't trying. He was he was trying super hard, but almost over trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying you know, to force it. Yeah, you know, like to your point, you know, he was overriding it, and, mm-hmm. and the young lady jumped up and just went, "Okay, boys, let's go!" And it just <laughs> ding, clockwork, chuk 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 chuk, and just anywhere they wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. But, but even now, I still have to work hard at that that you know that red mist. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, even now, you still have to rein yourself in and. Yeah, you still got to manage yourself and say, look, okay, step back and think about it. Because right now you're in the moment and the moment is not working. Yes. You know, and it's 
definitely can be hugely challenging. I think it's almost more challenging managing your own emotions than it is managing the horse. I agree. Do you still find yourself taking breaks or do you find that after doing this for so long that it's it's easier for you to just stay more even keeled? Um, you still got to take breaks. You still get the point. I mean, yes, I can do lots of things and you, you, you practiced, but you still get to the point where you've got to take the break and step back and think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and okay, it's not working. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why is it not? Because it's easy to, to, to I'm gonna, we're gonna do this. Well, I've got it. And you just watch your performance, the horse performance just disintegrate. And then, you know, where's, where's the confidence at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Your confidence is destroyed. You've maybe destroyed your horse's confidence as well. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got to rebuild that. And yeah, we still, after 30 years, have still almost got to manage me more than the horses. Yeah. This is really making me think a lot. I have a yearling right now. And all of this talk about having relaxation as your, you know, the basis of quality progress and managing yourself is making me think about him so much because I just do little short sessions of just teaching him, you know, good horse manners. And it's so funny because every once in a while, I mean, I'll still catch myself feeling frustrated that, you know, essentially he's a baby and he doesn't know things yet. And and so I've, I've been saying these things to myself over and over going into it because I can see that relaxation is just the basis of I have to manage myself. And a lot of times my goal is to get him to you know, a relaxation intercession so that then he's learned something. And so it's all of this stuff is feeling very of the moment for me. It is. Whether you're training yearlings or, or trained horses, it's it's getting everybody. Everybody's got to see it as fun. If they're going into it going, I don't want to do this. This is work. This is work. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't end well. Yeah. yeah. Every session has got to be, has got to be, it's got to be fun. You know, we're doing this because it's it's going to be incredible. We're going to, you know, it, yeah, and it, you've got to go into it feeling like that, yeah? Yeah, tapping into that sense of play changes everything. And figuring yeah, really, out how to even tap into play, not just for you, but play for the horse. Because you, you see it in their demeanor, you know, how they behave, if they're kind of, if they're enjoying it or not. Yeah, and the more they're having fun, the faster they learn and the more they retain mm-hmm. what you're teaching them. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. When they're in that calm, you know, relaxed state, they, they retain it. Otherwise they only will remember the emotional memory of it. That was not good. I didn't like it. Yeah. And you know, driving down the road with a nice horses, you know, is just incredible, incredible fun. Yeah. And yeah. And, and it translates to the horses. I mean, you've got to know your horses. I, mean, I worked for a lady in England who had a world-renowned hackney stud, and we she bred horses, bred some incredible horses. And we had one of our stallions was in the t- was it was in the lead of the four. Yeah, it was okay. a little horse by the name of Legend, and he was a little horse, but he thought he was a big horse. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, he was. He carried his head high, and the, I mean, legend would be fifteen-one on his tiptoes, and the horse beside him 
was 16-1. And Legend, from the front, looked as big as him. Yeah? Wow. And you, know, you had two horses at the front, two incredible. Legend was as brave as, as anywhere. You know, if you sent him, he was good. Yeah? And that's fun. And he was a, a horse that, that taught me an incredible amount about balance. He was phenomenal. I, I fox hunted him. I drove him. I drew both the leaders. They were phenomenal. The wheel horses were just were were nice horses, but they weren't the same people. Yeah. Yeah. And we had one horse in the wheel that, as long as the horse in front of him said we were going, he was going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the one in front said, "Hmm," you'd watch the wheeler fall apart, and huh. it was game over then. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what if you balance what he's um, worked so he was doing what he needed him to do and not overdoing it, he would be he would be beautiful to draft, yeah? yeah? If you laid it on him and said, hey, my friend, you've got to go to work and do it, he'd do it, but boy, would your forearm, would you pay for it through your forearm? Because he'd pull it through your forearm. But he also... The first show of the year for us was the Royal Windsor Horse Show, which is a beautiful show drive, but you go into the show ring first, do the show drive, and then come back in for the final judging. Okay. Well, first show of the year, it's an electric atmosphere. You know, there's, there's goodness, I don't know, 50, 60,000 people in the main arena. Oh. It's an electric atmosphere. And what he goes in and is just electric yeah i mean we've got to stop in the line and he stands there and after about two minutes he's digging a hole in this sand yeah. arena he's, he's like i'm like he's like can we go are we doing it yet yeah let's go <laughs> do the drive because i'm not ready to be here yet. yeah <laughs> and that that drive that sure we were either we either wounded or we were last there was there, there was there were the two there were the two options, yeah? Yeah, it was the extremes. But the other horse, Legend, I mean, he was just, we'd stable him and nobody would know he was Italian. I mean, we, we were at an event and I had a lady with a mare beside me for four days when she worked out he was Italian, yeah? Oh, my goodness, yeah. And she lost her ever-loving mind. <laughs> He's Italian. He's dangerous. No. It's taken you four days to work out who he is. He's just a gelding that needs special treatment. Yeah? Yeah. And you know, he was an incredible individual. He was an amazing stallion. And he'd been trained, he'd been taught his 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 dual roles. While he had harness on, he understood that his stood work wasn't available. But if you put a tail bandage on something, that was the key to his other job. Yeah? Yeah. He understood the, the rules and the context. And the context. He was an incredible stallion to handle as well. When, when you were covering in hand, he'd, you know, he'd go up to the man. He's like, hi, how are you doing? You know, yeah, okay, today's the day. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, But we had another stallion that would go up and... It, you know, if he was there, he was there. And the, that job, he, they were going to get covered regardless, yeah? And legend was just, was beautiful. I mean, we had one mayor that came and 
basically picked him up by his withers. He's like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to talk to her anymore. Take me home. Yeah. <laughs> but he loved his job and he was brave and he would do, but you had to understand who he was. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was just, um, every now and again, you'd see him get somewhat frustrated with his, with the horse beside him and he'd bite him. And then he'd like, then you'd, you tell him off, and he's like, okay, now he's got the message, yeah? Yeah, he's trying to get everybody in line, you know? Yeah. You, come on, gang, you're with me, yeah? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, driving, we, we did an attelage in Cuts in France, and um, there was a bridge built into the arena, and the, the horse beside him is going, are you sure? And Legend's like, with me, let go. <laughs> You know, he's on three, let's go, yeah? And yeah. He, he was a little horse with a huge personality, yeah? Oh, yeah. They can just have that presence. And he had a, he had a, you know, he had the presence of a 17-hand horse in a, in a compact form, yeah? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he was incredible to work with and be around and, you know, see his... his mental effect on the horses in the team as well yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah because the way you're describing him it's that he he was all in on the driving and he was there to do his job and he was not about to let some other less focused horse mess with that so he was doing the mental aspect for all the horses of we're here we're doing this let's go yeah, and I mean, I've driven him into some incredible places. So we're, we're at the end of a three-day tour in England, and we had to drive in um, to a historic coaching inn under what was the original arch in a replica coach that looks just like an antique, except okay. we lowered the arch by about four feet. So oh. the owners were gracious enough to believe me when I told them we could drive in, because when you, you came, as you came to the arch, you came down a hill, and optically, it reduced the height even more, yeah? Yeah, I can see that. And I said to to all of my nine guests, well, in fact, we had at that point more than nine guests on board. Um, when I sell, tell you to duck, I mean duck and don't look up till I say <laughs> yeah? And you came down and you drove into this arch and it was light into dark. And we all know how when horses can't see What's that? It, it's it can be a challenge. Yeah. 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 That happens all the time, and just with regular arena work, horse shows. You know that the lighting difference between the main arena and the warm up or other places can really throw horses off. Yeah, and you know we went into that and we steamed it, went through it, and you know all credit to Legend and his friend in front because they were like, "Okay, you want us? We got you. Let's go." Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know when you were training people. It, it, almost it was hard to to give up the reins because things were going well. It's like, I'm just having a nice time. Um, can we do, you know, can we can we drive some more? Yeah. Yeah, when things are going well, you're just, you're having a good time. You don't want it to stop. No, you know, it, it's, yeah. It, and that's, I think, you know, if you had to sum up what is being prepared, it's making sure that, that whatever you're doing is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like that as as a 
a def- like a way to describe it that I haven't heard before in terms of how are you prepared? Because if you're having fun, it's just an indication that all of the other things are taken care of, right? That you've done the training at home, that you've done the preparation, that your logistics are in order so that you can just just kind of relax and have fun. Yeah. And you know, horses are incredible animals, but also anything you question is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. You know? It is, yeah. And sometimes we can get lost in the in the I've just spent X amount. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all got lots going on in our world these days. You know, we're all overconnected, you know, my cell phone, my this, my that. And that piece, that, that fun piece disconnects us from horses to Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you bring that up too. I, I completely agree with the having fun that I think that it's so, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in doing this, doing that, or competing in a certain way or doing something or how much money. And, you know, it, it, it should be fun. We're doing it because we love the horses and it's fun. And so I think that it's changes things when you keep that at the forefront. Yeah. It's got to be for ev- everybody, whether it's mom, you know, with the small child on the lead ring or the, the, the little kitty doing their first barrel competition. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, or whatever, whatever, Whatever it is, it's got to be at the end of the day fun. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be fun for mom, and it's it's got to be fun for the child as well. Because if we can make it fun, they'll continue. You know, how many kiddies do you see that mom's standing there going, "You're going to do it. You're going to do it." And the kids <laughs> like, "I don't want to really do it." Well, you're going to do it. And how quickly do they do they get out of doing it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the reverse psychology too of, you know, if you say you're you're going to do it, then you just don't want to instead of, eh, maybe you do it, maybe you don't. Are you having fun? It's a totally different mind space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can become over obsessed with the success and horses are incredible at, uh, you know, um, making you look human. Yeah. Making you. <laughs> yes. You know. Because they can, you know, you can have the best horse in the world, and if he's just not having the day, or you're not having the day, it just isn't going to be the day. Yeah. Yep. Um. Or you know, the judge might just not say it that way, and it's that you just got to go. Okay, today was now a day. We'll try again and come back tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, horses are incredible. At, at, leveling people you know because you can be braggadocious oh i can act and the horse goes okay not today <laughs> and what can you do there's you can't make him do it if he doesn't want to do it he ain't gonna do it yep yeah you just gotta try and be as level-headed as you can and just like you said just try again tomorrow yeah and that you know for all of us, that's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, we all like it when we when we win and we're first, and everybody's oh, you were great. We're not so keen, you know, when it we were the person in last place. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it's hard. It can be harder mentally to just keep going. Yeah, you know, when you're having a tough time like that, it it, it is mentally harder. You know, I was very lucky that that one of my parents always said to me, my mother said, you know. If you've tried your best in field, I don't care. Yeah, you've tried. Yeah. But if you haven't tried in field, I'm going to be cross. 
No, well, she's very wise. That's that's the advice I I try and give to myself and and anybody I work with mentally is just that if you've really done your best, you it's hard to be upset with yourself. It's hard to be anything other than pleased and proud, no matter the score, no matter your marks, no matter anything, as long as you have done your best. If you really yeah. did your best, how can you how can you honestly feel anything other than proud of yourself? Absolutely, that you know, and that's the thing we all you know, we, we've all got to remember. If you've if you're honest with you, because that that's the only I don't care who else you can you you can kind of tell. Oh, well, it was it was this, it was that. But you've got to live with you, and if you can honestly honestly say to yourself, "Well, I did my best." Yeah, yeah, yep. I I did my best. And it's a learning opportunity. Okay, you did your best, but things didn't um, didn't pan out for me. Um, what do I need? Why wasn't I successful? What 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 went wrong? And and take it as an opportunity to to learn and grow rather than oh that's just a terrible horse. I need to get a better one. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, thank you so much. I have just had such a wonderful time talking with you and listening to all of your stories. This is, I feel like it was wonderful because I had a list of, you know, questions and prompts and things to ask you. And it's so wonderful when instead of just asking questions and answers, you covered so many things just through your stories, which is a wonderful way to, you know, share your insights and expertise. And so just thank you for coming on today. Not a problem. Thank you for the invitation, the chance to to wander through carriage driving well yeah no it is it's so neat because i think it's it's also a wonderful just peek into that world that i don't think very many people have into the carriage driving and so it's it makes me want to go on a european tour is what it makes me want to do yes (laughs) ma'am oh well thank you so much it has been my pleasure thank you again and thank you again wonderful rest of your day you too bye-bye bye Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm so grateful that you chose to spend some of your time today with me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. And if you want more support to ensure you ride your best at home and at shows, go to NicoleBurnettCoaching.com to get your free copy of Become Unbeatable in the Show Pen, Five Mental Skills Every Rainer Needs to Master. It's a free guide I'm sharing with you on how to develop mental toughness and resilience in the face of adversity to maximize your showing success. Until next time, 